Ronananian. The right side was rattling. It just, you know, thump, 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 thump. and I'm like, that's never going to work. The car's going to go down the road at 60 miles an hour. This thing will be vibrating, making noise, eventually rattle itself to death. And I think I just need doctor and then i said now i wonder if no it can't be pulled the hose out put the rubber bushing right in the middle of it laid the whole thing right in there put the radiator in no more rattle you say to yourself are they aware of the mistakes that they make welcome to the radio home of ron and anian the car doctor since 1991 this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair if your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Come on in, sit down. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor here. 855-560-9900 is the phone number. That's 855-560-9900. Call in. Get your car question answered. That's the Car Doctor 24-7 toll-free hotline to talk to you about you and your car problem. And there is a messaging system set up on that. If you call 855-560-9900, and we're not on the air. The show's live on network radio at 2 to 4 p.m. Saturday afternoons. If we're not live on the air, you can leave a message, and Fast Harry, our executive producer, will call you back and get you in the lineup for the following week. More information about this radio show, as always, at cardoctorshow.com, and there's links there for TuneIn and iHeart and iTunes.com. And uh, we're noticing the podcasts are going up, and we appreciate all that. We appreciate the way you, our listeners, are supporting us. Uh, Your vote of taking a podcast of this radio show really helps our cause, and we can turn around and do bigger and better things for you and and ultimately give you more car information in the long run, and that's what this radio show is all about. Uh, We we do want to point out this weekend in particular, we're trying to make a case for it, that if you get out to the Facebook page, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor Facebook, you will start to see videos. Well, we've had videos, but we're trying to do more and more videos. We're trying to do impromptu, hey, somebody grab their cell phone and let's take a picture of this in the shop and then get it up on Facebook, that type of thing. So you're going to see more of that. We just recently put a video up there about spark plug removal and some of the do's and don'ts. You may want to take a look at that. You'll enjoy that. You can also get out to YouTube if you're a YouTube person and you're not on Facebook, you can get out to YouTube, go over to the Denso TV channel at YouTube. That's the Denso TV channel at YouTube, and you'll find that video there as well as whether some other videos from the folks at Denso and other automotive sources. So uh, you can do that, and that's a great source for videos as well. We're, we're trying to make this more of a balanced effort. So it's not just radio. It's video, it's radio, it's direct communication. We're trying to tie in social media in all forms and aspects, and that's our goal this year so we can bring you more information because cars are becoming, well, they always have been a very visual medium. They're becoming more so as time goes on, so uh, we want to make you aware of that. An awful lot going on in the next couple of hours. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be giving away an O'Reilly Auto Parts $25 gift card. That's today. We've got a heck of a radio interview down around the bottom of the hour, the life and times of a tow truck driver. And when I say his last name, you might recognize who it is. Uh, Frank Fiorino, um, who, uh, tow truck driver emeritus, very long time, big listener to the show, uh, sent us an email, and I'm sitting there and I'm reading it, and I saw who his wife was, and I said, Carly Fiorino? No, this can't be. And I gave it to one of my producers, and they emailed back and forth, and they said, Ron, uh, guess what? The uh, um, presidential hopeful Carly Fiorino's husband, Frank, is a big listener to The Car Doctor, and he wants to come on and talk to you about the life and times of driving a tow truck. And I said, sure, why not? 
Who knows? Maybe we'll get the Donald next week. You never know where this radio show might take us. And uh, we're looking forward to that around the bottom of the hour. We're also going to be talking to a gentleman by the name of Julian White from Generation Auto TV in the next hour. We're going to talk to him about the last surviving Smokey and the Bandit Trans Am, which is being auctioned this weekend at Barrett-Jackson. So we're going to be talking to him about that. In between, we're going to try and talk a little bit about your car and their problems. Well, we've got a slew of calls. The phone lines are lit up. But first, I just want to start the conversation today with a little bit of a teaser and Empty some thoughts from my head. I wonder if synthetic oil is hurting the cars in a different way. Had a phone call last night, quarter to six, Friday night, quarter to six. Phone rings, and it's a customer who is stuck on the thruway with a broken belt. The car overheated. The belt had, had was gone. It had self-destructed. It was an eight-year-old Ford Focus, 120,000 miles on it. And when I went through history, everything had checked out. It had been in about four months prior. The belt was listed as good. There were no faults with it. And it just failed. And I took note of the fact that it's been four months since its last service. And it wasn't overdue. It was just about coming due. And I said to myself, has synthetic oil hurt us to the point that now we go so much a little bit longer that we're missing things along the way. And she's not the first one that I've noticed this on. I'm seeing it on others as well. And I'm really making a case at the shop that at least once, if not twice a year, I want to do what we call a seasonal checklist or a seasonal look over. We want to go through basics. Belts, hoses, battery, brakes, tires, front end, wiper blades, lights, fluid leaks, filters, service levels, what's been done, what hasn't been done. Because the fact becomes that we're starting to see failures of a very basic nature making their way back up the chart again for silly things that, yes, they do last a lot longer, but they do break. And it just I just wanted to bring it up here as we kick off this hour of the show that, you know, just be mindful and also be mindful of how you talk to your mechanic. Are you using the right social skills? Are you using the right cues? Are you going in and saying, hey, what needs to be done? And not play the game of, hey, tell me what kind of shape my car is in, but don't tell me anything too expensive because I don't want to spend any money. You know, not too conducive to positive auto repair and not too conducive to keeping that car on the road and keeping you safe and prevent you from having to sit on the side of the road like this young lady had to do last night for two hours on the New York State Thruway. So just, just something to think about and be aware of. And um, be mindful that, uh, I don't know, maybe those oil changes aren't as great as we once think, those longer oil change intervals. Let's kick open the garage doors real fast. Let's go over and talk to Paul up in Maine. Some comments about LED bulbs on his 2009 Chevy Suburban. Paul, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi there. How are you all? Good, sir. What's going on? Uh, I've got a 2009 Chevy Suburban, and I had turn signals uh, bulb that blew. So I decided to replace it with an LED bulb. Right. They're so difficult to get down inside of, and I thought they might last longer. Yep. And after I replace the bulbs, every time I turn on my turn signals, it goes into hyper flash, like the car is trying to identify it as a bulb's blown. Right. Tick, 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 yeah. And I'm assuming that the LEDs use less energy, so it's uh, right. thinking you've, that they're not working. Right. You've, you've changed Ohm's, you've applied Ohm's law to your car without even realizing it. You've basically changed the resistance value in the circuit 
so that you're affecting how the car, the flash, or the module, whatever is reacting to the current load on the circuit, is going to create that and make the flasher work. So my advice would be, and we see this all the time, this is very, very common, what I, what I tell everybody, first step, is I would look up the LED manufacturer and talk to their tech support. You know, do you, you know, because you're not the only guy experiencing this, and perhaps, right. and, I, and I've seen this with some of the LED manufacturers, where they'll actually have some sort of a plug-in module, something that yeah. will alter the draw on the circuit and make it more of a traditional style directional as you're more used to. So that would be my suggestion. First step, get it out to a uh, get out to the LED tech support people and talk to them, and we'll go from there. Give us a call back if you have any more issues. Let's go over and talk to Marianne, New City, New York, 2016 Subaru, and a check engine light question. Marianne, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Oh, hi, Ron. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I uh, was looking at some Subarus. It was a Subaru Crosstrek, and both of them had uh, the check engine light on when I went out for the uh, test drive. Okay. And the dealer said to me that, uh, that it has to be serviced yet to uh, it just came off the truck. Is that is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, I, I did buy it, and the check engine light is on now. Well, you know, it's it's a brand new car, Marianne. The good news is it's a brand new car and it's under warranty and. You know they've right. got to, they've obviously got to fix it before they give it to you because otherwise they're just creating issues. <clears throat> excuse me with lemon law and things like that. But I've got to tell you, it's a pretty poor way to show a car. That's like that's like showing somebody the house for sale and don't worry about the water in the basement and the roof that leaks. We're going to fix it once you buy the place. Uh, you know I can't. That's what I thought. Yeah, I can't yeah. see the logic in it. You know I would be very mindful and leery of purchasing it because, well, you know, you, you ever go out on a date, Marianne, and you just know right away that maybe this isn't it? Um, yeah. Maybe this isn't it. It's not the best way. You know, I was always raised to put my best foot forward every time I step out of the house. These guys these uh-huh. these guys tripped and fell down. There's a there's hundred ways to sell a Subaru in any new car, and this isn't one of them. Yeah, I have another, I have two more questions. Real quick. Like, where would I... I had uh, service. I had another uh, Subaru, and I just went to a regular service station. Right. But uh, should I go to the dealer, or or is there a good service place in Rockland that I could go to? Well, I, th- I, I think what you want to do is I think you want to interview the mechanics that you might like or the mechanics that your friends go to and ask them, are, yeah. they, are they 2016 Subaru savvy? Are they capable? Do they have okay. a scan tool that talks to the car at a, at a very competent level? And are they able to service it? Have their techs been because the tech that serviced that O seven Subaru or if you had an older Subaru or an older Chevy, hey, that's great. You know, ninety eight Subarus come back out and around again. They're the guys, but we're trying to move forward. So that twenty sixteen Subaru is so different than anything that was three years old or five years older. So it's a matter of interviewing the mechanic just the way you would interview somebody for a job. Second question, third question, quick. So if they don't have that, then don't go there, right? Well, if they don't have that, then, yeah, how can you go there? That's that's kind of like going to a restaurant and saying you want, you know, a sausage pizza, and it shows up plain, and you say, what happened? We were at a sausage, and you accept it and pay for it. That doesn't make any sense. That's dealing with a place that they've got the heart, they've got most of the ingredients, but they're missing some of the key factors, and um, that creates an issue with how that vehicle gets serviced. Marianne, good luck to you. If you have any more questions, you know where to find us, 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, we are back right after this.
Welcome back. Ron and the Car Doctor rolling along. By the way, keep in mind, we are giving away a $25 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card sometime today, so you want to stay tuned for that. And coming up in just a little bit, we're going to be talking to Frank Fiorino. Fiorino, that's correct. Uh, the life and times of a tow truck driver. And uh, we'll be looking forward to that. But right now, let's get over to the busy phones and see what's going on with Richard. Saddlebrook, New Jersey, 1997 Mercury Grand Marquis and some battery issues. Richard, how can I help? Hi, Ron. How yes, are you sir. doing? Good, sir. What's going on? Uh, my my Mercury is, uh, the battery keeps going dead on me. Okay. That, that mechanic, I just took it up from the mechanic. He says he couldn't find anything. He had to had give it a full charge. And uh, I thought about what it is. Uh, this thing has a battery saver in it. And I noticed that when I shut the door, you know, those theater lights, how they dim down? Right. Well, it, it wasn't dimming down. It was stay on the light. Okay. And then after about two minutes, then it would dim down. I think what happened, that's what's killing the battery. Well, if the lights if the lights are taking longer to dim down, two minutes isn't enough to kill the battery over a long time period. No, well, I think that it's not... It's not going, not dimming at all. It's staying on. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, if they're staying on, sure. So let me ask you this. When the mechanic, you know, tested the battery and charged it, did he say anything about doing a current draw test of any type? Well, he said he tested the, all he said was he tested the battery, the cells and everything. Okay. Well, testing the battery's great. At least we know the battery's good. And the only reason I say this is some of the younger techs today don't know what a current draw test is, I'm sad to say. It's, it's, you know, and basically what you're doing is you're going to disconnect one of the battery terminals, positive or negative, and I'm not going to have the conversation here about which way the electrons flow, positive or negative, and which way, which one we want to disconnect. Disconnect the battery terminal and put a meter in series set up as an amp meter and measure the current draw. And, so he and, said and, if it happens again, he says, bring it right in and I'll put a machine on it. Well, what machines are going to put on it? Put a vault, put, he put mentioned a, it and I forgot. <laughs> right. Well, put an amp meter on it. This is a real simple test. I'm telling you, know, this, this, is, this is really what he needs to do, Rich. Yeah. All right? It's, it's not that complicated. Because for all you know right now, not doing an amp draw test on a car that came in with a dead battery like this is like going into the doctor and saying, Doc, you know, my heart hurt two days ago. Come back when it hurts again. We'll do some more testing. It's it's just a wasted effort, not to mention it could be a serious situation, obviously, in both cases. Usually the lights, when you shut the door, the lights, they start dimming down right away. Right. Well, this if the lights are staying on, then this is a problem in that dim circuit. Okay? That's, that's the issue there. But as far as if they want to do some testing, go back and talk to them about doing a current draw test using a damp meter and see what kind of response you get. If you get that deer in the headlights, what are you talking about? Look. You're in the wrong repair shop. Don, South Waynesport, Pennsylvania, 73 Challenger. Yes, sir. How can I help you? Hey, Ron. Yes, sir. I got a problem. I, I bought the 73 Challenger. had a blown motor in it. Okay. I pulled the motor out. I purchased another motor out in uh, Queens, New York. Okay. I got it up here. We went to stick the motor and the training together. It's a four-speed car, but the pilot bearing was not, or the crankshaft was not drilled for the pilot bearing. Okay. Um, now this is an externally balanced motor. So I, without tearing it all down and pulling the crank out to have it redrilled, there's, everybody's been telling me that I can cut this input shaft back no. three quarters of an inch. No. 
and run a roller bearing in the back for that shaft. Where where's the bearing going to go if the if the crank isn't drilled for it? Where, the the natural Chrysler used a, like a half inch insert hole. Right. So the the shaft will still go in a half inch because right now I'm a half inch off from hitting the spline. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So I cut that back. Yeah. So I cut before, that back and right in the back of the flywheel set that roller bearing. Hey Don, before before you yeah. do anything, and obviously you, you know the value of what you've got. You're dealing with vintage parts. Who's ev- yeah. who's everybody? The guys at the local speed shop who have never done it, or somebody at the national level that's been doing it for the past forty years. Um, I called some machine shops and some Mopar techs, the guys that been working on them for a while. I do. I did actually take the other crank out of the other motor, and I have it being turned right now. Okay. Because that's. I guess I know where you're going with this. We're going to pull it all apart and put that other crank in, right? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I, you know, there's, well, there's two comments I've got here. One, you know, when you're restoring an older car, a hot rod, a classic, or whatever, opinions are like, you know, what everybody's got one, and they usually stink. You know, I, I want to see yeah. hard facts. All right. I want to see somebody that's been there, done that, and made it work. You know, I'd like to, and I'm probably okay. going to sometime in the late spring talk about how the brand new Tremec I bought for the hot rod three years ago has had an O ring leak at the front seal ever since I put it in. And when I called Tremec, their answer was, Yeah, they all leak like that. You have to take it apart and put a schmear RTV on it. And my answer was, Why didn't you do that from the factory? You know, everybody has an opinion and none of them seem to work. So before you cut anything, by all means, please. Let's get somebody with that's done it, that's made it work. That's number one. Number two, if you can take some pictures of the back of that crank, explain what you're trying to do, email them to me, ron at cardoctorshow.com. I've got some engine builders of my own I'd like to show it to and have the conversation, and I'll get back to you, and this way we get you on the right path. So by all means, do that. Ron at cardoctorshow.com. We'll go from there. Hey, coming up next, Frank Fiorino. Stay tuned. The Car Doctor's back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Ron Indian, the car doctor. You know, to show you, it's interesting, right? Auto repair and automobiles are a language that reaches across all gender gaps and species and, and forms of communication. Everybody wants to talk about cars, and everybody that's been in the business wants to talk about, well, I remember how I started, I remember where I am, or they want to talk about where they're going. It's just, it, it's, it's just a, an incredible conversation to always have with people that are in this business. Well, it seems that we've got a listener out there up in New England, a gentleman by the name of Frank Fiorina, who has been listening to the show for some time. And when we got an email a little while back, we uh, read it, and uh, we kind of chuckled. He was a uh, He's an old-school tow truck driver. That's where he started in this business, and he's kind of worked his way up in the ranks and moved on to other things. But we thought it would be a hoot. Let's give him a try and uh, see how he does on radio. Maybe he's got a new career forming, and uh, he can cover the gamut. Never know, Frank. I may want to retire. Frank Fiorina, welcome to the car doctor, sir. Ron Ananian. Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, uh, you, uh, you've got an interesting bio going on here, Frank. You've, um, you've come up through the ranks as a, uh, as a hard-working, blue-collar kind of guy, and um, you started out driving a tow truck way back when. Well, 
I started out doing a I started out doing a lot of things, but my father bought a garage when I was 10 years old. And so I spent a lot of time in that garage. And I was the one that got to jockey all the cars around every time you had to move anything, even at, at 12 and 13 years old. What year was this? This had to be 1960. Back. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a big car for a 12 year old kid to be moving around, right? <laughs> I was just at an event with a, a retired state trooper, and I told him a story about me uh, driving one of the state troopers' cars back to the garage from a parking spot down the street. And uh, I was maybe 13 or 14, and I experimented by pushing the extra headlight switch on the floor. I didn't know what the heck it was when I pushed it. Of course, the siren oh, and sure, the light yeah. started flashing. Right? Yeah, you found out right away, right? Um, yeah. You bet. Uh, when you look at cars today and cars back then, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, let's be honest. They're a lot more reliable. There are, you know, cars today are so much more sophisticated than they were back then. But somehow, they're not as much fun. Uh, I still have a 1968 396 Chevelle that I worked three jobs to get when I was 17 years old. And when I get in that car, I feel like I'm driving a car. Right. Right. It's, 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 it's not the car driving you, you're driving the car. That's right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's a little bit of a white knuckle ride. So when when you were towing, because, you know, other than just moving cars around, you also you ran a tow truck, I guess, for your dad. Or I'm not sure for what business you were working at the time. Um, what are, I did. What, I did. And, I unfortunately, I mean, my dad died when I was a young boy. It was he was 13. But my brother in law ran the place and we had the towing for the city of Pittsburgh and for the state police. So I I, you know, drove a lot of miles <laughs> And then I, when I was going to engineering school, I drove for a small garage uh, for AAA, and I would take the truck home at night and run calls from the house. Now, you know, you look at a tow truck today and a, and a tow truck back then. Back then, they were these big, massive cables and winches, and or is my memory fading? Am I not remembering them correctly? Because they were awful different than the trucks today. Today, everybody's got a flatbed. Nobody's got something with a hook on it, right? Well... That's true. My nephew still owns that garage, and he has a beautiful flatbed. Uh, but he also has a tow truck. But nowadays, the tow trucks all come with lifts instead of using a hook and a and a strap like we used to. In order to in order to go and pick them up, right? Yeah. Now it's all everything. I guess has to be flatbedded today, and I guess that's the difference. Or it's easier on the vehicle with all wheel drive and all the electronics. And there's there's so many other you know possibilities to. I guess it, it's it's probably more difficult today maneuvering that car because back then in your dime, it's as you say everything was more mechanical and it was it was picking up something a little bit more stable in that sense of the word. Oh, there's no question. Yeah, and What's, cars were so much more. There was so much more steel. You didn't have plastic bumpers, uh, so we used to pull up and put a a sling that would go underneath the front end or the back end. And the car would lay against this rubber strap. Uh, today, if you did that, you'd shatter the bumpers. What, what's what's some of your memories? I mean, you've got to have a memory or two of 
What are some of the worst toes or best toes that you had to deal with back in the day? <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun back in those days, but uh, I guess one of the interesting ones was a truck full of eggs Uh-oh. that overturned on the parkway in Pittsburgh. And it's, of course it smashed all these eggs. I towed this big box truck back to the garage and left it there late on a Friday night. The next morning when we pulled up several blocks from the garage, you smelt this, there was this ungodly smell and <laughs> it was rotting eggs. <laughs> Yikes. So Yikes. We had to get, we had to get that truck out of there in a big hurry. Well, of course, if somebody had come along with a with a, well, I guess I can't tell that you know we can make this a bacon joke, right? We could have had bacon and eggs on the side of the road if it was. Yeah, we won't go there. It's probably not appropriate. So let me ask you this, Frank. In our in our last couple of minutes here, um, you're not towing cars anymore, obviously, and you no. you've moved on to other things in your life. You you left the tow truck business. I was reading your bio, and um, you worked your way up into being. An upper executive where? At AT and T. AT and T. Yeah, and and and, and and of course now my wife's running for the presidency of the United States. And, and how does that work out? I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to keep this as a as a as a car conversation, but I'm glad it worked its way in. Now, do they take you along? You know, heaven forbid the bus breaks down, they put you out there and say change the tire, or are you just you know <laughs> how's, how's how's this work into the grand scheme of things? Um, I think that would be fun, but no, they don't let me do that. They uh, send me out to campaign. Well, I go out by myself and I give speeches, and I shake hands, and I uh, tell people why she's the right candidate. Well, I got to tell you, if she, if she's married to you, her value as the right candidate went up in my mind because mechanics and mechanical people possess a, a gr- the good ones, and I think you're one of the good ones. Possess a great deal of common sense. And I think we need common sense right now. And, um, you know, I just want to let you know that we appreciate all she's trying to do and all the candidates are trying to do. And um, we appreciate how hard they work because uh, they take an awful lot of uh, uh, barbs being out there in the public like that. Oh, that's for sure. Thank you so much for saying that. You're very welcome. It's um, well, listen, you know what? At the end of the day, we're all Americans and we're all trying to accomplish the same thing. The good ones are anyway. And um, that's right. You know, it's. it's, we got to go back to our grassroots in this country, and I don't want to make this a political forum, but I do want to say that, you know, to me, fixing the country is like fixing a car. It's got to be common sense. It's got to be use of resources at your fingertips. And at the end of the day, it's got to be a finished product that keeps the majority happy because that's the way the country works and that's the way cars work, too. Frank, listen, I uh, the clock's going to take me. I want to thank you for being one of the Car Doctor listeners and uh, part of the faithful out there. And uh, it was interesting talking to you, sir, if uh, we can do anything else for you. And um, if the limo's ever passing through New Jersey, you stop in and say, hey, and uh, uh, maybe we'll get out there and change the tire for you if they won't let you do it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. You're very welcome, Frank. Thank you, and you take good care. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this.
Welcome back. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor rolling along this hour. Let's go over and talk to Anthony, line one. Some questions about a 2014, 2015, I'm sorry, Ford Focus. Anthony, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help you, sir? Hi. Uh, I have a 2015 Ford Focus. I had bought it and um, had problems before going to a few uh, dealerships and having them, you know, say, oh, you have this problem, you have this problem, you have this problem. I was actually just wondering if there's any, uh, like, car diagnostics tool I could buy for myself to know what's wrong before I even go into a place to get my car fixed. Well, and let's just careful with the terminology, right, Anthony? Let's. What you're really asking for is you want a scan tool that will tell you what fault code is there so you've got a general idea of where they might be looking. Fair statement? Yeah. Okay. Um, I like the launch products. CRP uh, 129, CRP 229, it'd probably be the top for you because above that you're going to spend more money than you need to. You know, yep. either, either either one of those, I believe they're 500 or less. Um, you know, one's 200, one's 400, something like that. Uh, but either of the launch tools, you can find more at launchtechusa.com or launchusa.com. Um, both good products. We use We use one of those as our door tool. At the shop, by that, we use that every day. You know, somebody comes in with check engine light on, and we just want to out and scan it real quick and not get out the big guns. And we just need to be fast in and out. We we use launch at the door, and uh, it works quite well. You can, you know, you can probably even find some up on eBay or Amazon because guys are always changing and upgrading tools. They're nice. I like those. Um, you can also take a look at the Actron line of scan tools. Actron's got a, those are those little orange scan tools. You'll find them typically at O'Reilly Auto Parts. You'll find more at O'Reilly, okay. O'ReillyAuto.com and see what's going on there. But Actron makes a great scan tool. Um, the idea is that you don't need much because what you want to do is you want to be able to just, you know, pull the code, get some basic information, and then what most people do is once they have the code, then they'll either call me and say, hey, Ron, the car's got this fault. What do you think's wrong with it? Or they'll search the Internet, whichever is faster, uh, meaning are we yeah. clo- are we close to the weekend where the show's coming on, or is it problem happening on Monday and you can't wait the five days? And I get that. Um, so, But that's that's probably where I would go, either one of those two product lines, and you'll be just fine. All right, sir? Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yeah. You have a good rest of the day. Let's get on over and talk to John, Biloxi, Mississippi, 1990 Chevy Cavalier and a fast idle. John, welcome to the car, doctor. How can I help? Yeah. Uh, when I started on a cold morning, this thing will just rev like crazy. I mean, it sounds like it's doing three or 4,000 okay. RPM. And you can even put it in gear. It'll just drive itself down the road. Right. Uh, once it gets warmed up, it seems to go away. But... Uh, it's really bad when it's cold. Okay, so it's it's worse cold, but is it borderline hot? You're not necessarily convincing me that when it's hot, it's running correctly. No, it's not. Okay. And even when it's hot, it's still it still idles a little high. Okay. But it's not not as bad as when it's cold. Here's the first piece of information we've got to chase. First of all, there's a couple of caveats. This is a 1990. Let's do the math. 90, 2000, 2010. Car's coming up on 26 years old, so it's just getting broken in. Older cars with weird problems, we we always want to look to make sure, do we have any rust issues, ground connections, battery terminal connections, things like that. We want to look for obvious electrical faults that could have accumulated over time, all right? That being, okay. that being said, my first step with this is 
For, is there a check engine light on? Is there a check engine light on, John? No, there's not. Okay. Keeping in mind that an OBD1 car, which this is, isn't as smart as next generation. So I want to plug in a scan tool, and I want to look at idle air control counts, IAC counts. You got a pencil? Can you write this down? Sure. Okay. You want to you want to, you want to look at IAC counts. Basically, idle air control counts is going to tell the the technician where the control motor or the idle air bypass valve is to maintain and control idle speed. Look at the front door of your house, okay? The front door of your house when it's closed, the IAC count would be 0. All right? If, if the IAC count was at 50, the door's halfway open between 0 and 100. Okay. If we've got a fast idle and a zero IAC count, we're drawing air from somewhere else, and that's what's generating the high idle. If the IAC count is within normal range, 6 to 7, 8 to 10, 10 to 12, something like that when it's cold or when it's warm, and we've mm-hmm. still got the fast idle... Maybe we've got a PCM issue. Do that for me first step. Call me back next week, please. Go look at idle air control count. Also look at throttle position sensor. Tell me what the voltage is there, and I'll have better information for you. I can guide you accordingly. But my guess is IAC counts are going to be at zero, and you've got a vacuum leak. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. By the way, I should point out, if you get out to the YouTube channel, if you get out to Denso TV at YouTube, you'll see you'll uh, have the ability, once you view the spark plug video, not just because of that, but also if you get out to DensoTT.com, um, you'll see a $16 spark plug rebate from the folks at Denso. But you want to go over to YouTube and watch the uh, Denso spark plug uh, video there as well, featuring yours truly. Harry, you uh, you had a question or a comment? You've got this stunned look on your face. Quick, i got a minute and a half. Well, you know what I was thinking? If people are going to keep their cars out, you know, based on time and mileage with synthetic oil changes, five months, six months, seven months, that's a long time to go. A lot of stuff can happen. Don't you think they should bring them into the shops and maybe get them checked out every six months regardless of whether they need that oil change? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that the technology of the longer oil change is going to slowly shoot us in the foot. And we've got to be careful here. You know, if you read the owner's manual, the owner's manual start to talk about that once that extended oil change goes beyond a specific mileage, and, and, and some manufacturers say after the oil change has gone beyond the 5,000-mile mark, they want you to start checking the oil once a month. I mean, it's like 1963 all over again. Who does that? Nobody. So, yeah, by all means, I think if you're really trying to go and follow these extended oil change intervals, once a year, we've got people coming in from other places where they're doing oil changes once a year and the cars are out of oil. Uh, you know what? Got to start doing checklists. You've got to start going through and some, here we go again, common sense, which isn't so common anymore. Um, let me throw this in the pocket out to RAauto.com. Go look up the checklist. I've got it up there as one of the tabs, but you'll find it there and you can use that checklist to help guide you along accordingly. Hey, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor reminding you, until the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya! See ya!